and welcome to another episode of the Roden Fellows podcast. I am your host, Jayla Jones, and I am a senior at Prairie View A&M University, hailing from Chicago, Illinois. Along with me today are two Roden Fellows, Jonathan and Marissa. Hey guys, why don't you introduce yourselves? Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Scott, and I'm a junior broadcast journalism major at Hampton University. Hello everyone, my name is Marissa Stubbs. I am a senior broadcast journalism student at Florida A&M University. And with us today is a very special guest, senior writer for The Undefeated, Mr. Jerry Bembry. Thank you for joining us today, sir. How are you? I'm pretty good, Jayla. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thank you. So I know we all have a quite a bit to get into today, so let's just jump right in. So as we all know, a few months ago, Howard's five-star top ESPN-ranked player, McCore Maker, made headlines because he chose to take his talents to an HBCU over schools such as Kentucky, UCLA, and Memphis. This was especially important because by doing this, he became the highest ranked college basketball prospect to commit to a historically black college or university since the ESPN recruiting database started in 2007. Not only that, but as of late, there has been this push for more highly rated athletes to join HBCUs instead of going to the Power Five schools. This year, it seemed like that movement was picking up some steam, but now people are having doubts. We're two weeks into the season, and not only is Howard off to an 0-3 start, but Maker is out indefinitely with a groin injury. This prompted Karan Phillips of Deadspin to publish an article that basically outlines all the issues he saw with Maker's choice to attend an HBCU, and in his opinion, the wrong HBCU at that. He had a list of things, including Howard's record over the last few seasons, and how if Maker truly wanted to play at a high level and enjoy the HBCU experience that he should have gone elsewhere. He also says that HBCUs often aren't equipped to nurture and mold a player of his caliber when compared to Power 5 schools and that the push for more players to attend HBCUs has a selfish undertone. So there's a lot to unpack here. And uh, Mr. Bembry, we're going to start with you. As one with a bit of knowledge concerning the Maker and Howard move, do you think there's any truth to those claims? You know, I'm not going to give any oxygen to uh, that story that you mentioned that was written. I will say to the naysayers who are critical of McCormick coming to Howard, be patient. It's it's really too quick to jump the gun right now and to say that this was a wrong move or this was the wrong university for McCormick to, to go to. It's three games into the season. And so everybody just calm down a little bit. Give a kid time. Uh, we all knew it was going to be a difficult situation coming to a Howard team that had won only four games last year. And, you know, even the coaches in the league predicted them, I think, to finish third or fourth. So they, they weren't expecting a miracle. And, and neither was I. But it's not how you begin the season. It's how you end the season. And if Howard is in the mix and if Howard should get to the NCAA tournament, then this is a success. So we can't judge this based by what's going on in, in, in December. It all comes down what's going on in March, and we have a long way to go. Marissa, what about you? What are your thoughts? 
Right. And Jerry, I like how you mentioned, like, you know, we need to all calm down right now because considering the situation, you know, we're in the pandemic and teams all across the world just adjusting to the new normal. And I think specifically with this situation, Howard has time to grow throughout the season. Howard has time to build on their basketball team skills. And it wasn't just Maker who had, you know, a bad game. Like this was his first game. Any other, if he would have been at any other school and he would have scored 13 points, what would have been the story headline? You know, uh, like you said, instead of going to power five schools go to HBCUs that's a bad notion but that wasn't the case here I really think with um, Maker having this injury and him just having his debut with Howard people didn't give him enough time and we as people tend to have especially sport fans we want to see like the big star just go out there and get like 30 points and that's not how sports work you know how we Maker has to grow to that player you know coming in he had a lot of expectations but I definitely think going forward Maker's going to continue to improve on his game and his level Level of competition throughout competing with other HBCUs. Yeah, you know, I actually, and this is so funny that you all brought up timing. I actually spoke to Prairie View's head basketball coach, Byron Smith, a couple weeks ago in an interview, and he mentioned that, you know, with all teams across the country, nobody is going to be as good the opening week as they are a month into the season or a couple weeks into the season. So right. I think to judge them on what's happening the first three games, when we know Howard isn't known for having the best record anyway is Mm -hmm. right there you know I also think that because this move was so big you know he's a top rated player top ESPN player and it's like we're trying to prove a point you know that these top players can come to HBCUs and be as successful as they would be at a power five school and I think in trying to prove that point we're kind of leaving no room for error you know and it's kind of you know messing up the flow of things and making it seem like this was a quote-unquote failure when in reality we're only three games into the season you know um, I also want to ask, do you all think it's true that HBCUs don't really have the foundation or the equipment that, you know, is needed to mold a top five player? Right. And I think when you ask that question, so many, so you have to consider so many things because we talk about HBCUs and then the notion of them not being able to provide or produce top caliber players, you know, these big players, but really uh, the funding for these HBCUs, we all know HBCUs, you know, they don't receive that much funding. They're HBCUs. You know, we see the PWIs that are receiving the funding and the athletes and the five-star athletes. But when we talk about HBCUs, I mean, we're building each and every day, like we're constantly building. So when we talk about producing top-notch athletes, we can do that. And going back to just the old days where top recruits used to come from HBCUs, you know, those players that went into the NFL, they came from HBCUs, talented players at that. So I think that that whole notion, I think it's just an avenue to use to really stereotype HBCUs even more. I mean, so many limitations are already placed amongst like all of our schools. So I think there, it's just a matter of we can do it and they know that we can, but they look at it as they don't have these facilities or they don't have this money, so they can't do that. I'm gonna jump in, let's face it. University of Texas in 2019 had annual operating revenue in their athletic program of $219 million. Howard, if they have five, that's a lot. So it's it's not going to be equal playing field. And so they're not going to have the resources. They're not going to have the arena. They're not going to have the weight room. They're not going to have the football field as a Texas or a Michigan or Ohio State. Let's get that out there. But they can be competitive. Uh, I covered a Coppin State basketball team in the 1990s that won games at LSU, at Missouri. 
They beat South Carolina, number six team in the country in the NCAA tournament. They were a point away from reaching the Sweet 16. And they probably had the smallest revenue of anybody in all of Division One back in 1997. So... It can be done. You can't blame it on facilities. You just, you just have to get the right personnel, the right players, the right coaches. And if you do all that, that's a, a path to success. Now, Howard's got nine newcomers this year, in addition to Maker as a freshman. Well, they have nine guys who are either freshmen or sophomores, so they're not a season team. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. So that's why I commend McCore Maker even more for coming to Howard, because he didn't go to a team that won 27 games last year. He went to a team that only won four and thought that I could make a name for myself there. So give the guy credit. And another thing, no one's criticizing Kentucky for losing to Richmond last week. So don't hammer Howard for losing their first three games. Right. I like that connection that you made, Jerry. Like, you know, he didn't join the team that was already winning. Like, you know, the narrative of these top athletes going back to HBCUs is to really help and rebuild these programs. Looking at Jackson State with Dion there, that program is going to be huge, like, for the next 10 years. Like, you know, it's just so much that once you have the right tools and, like you said, the right coaches and everything in place, like, there's no limit to what HBCUs can do. I know one of Maker's reasonings for attending Howard was to, you know, help jumpstart the movement of more athletes, top athletes at that, choosing HBCUs over the bigger schools. Mr. Bembry, do you think that trend is really going to catch on over the next couple years? I think that what happens at Howard this year is very important. If Howard finishes the season with two wins and three wins, then that can hinder the progress. But again, if they're a competitive team, yes, it, it can happen. You know, uh, again, it's all about patience. I think other top recruits are going to look at this situation. And the bottom line is, you know, you can go to a Kentucky and be, you know, the number eight guy in that team as an All-American and, and, and maybe play 10, 15 minutes a game. Or you come to Howard and play right away. And, and, and McCore has that opportunity. I'm going to say this, that it's probably more difficult as a big man than a guard to really have that impact on, on the uh, score sheet. I think a guard can control the game a little bit more, how he handles the ball, and, and probably can put up bigger numbers in McCore, even though they list him as a guard forward. You know, he's 6'11", so there's some limitations there, even though he has a skill set. So he doesn't have the ball in his hands a lot. And then he doesn't have the seasoned guys who will hit shots and take pressures off the pressure off of him. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a challenging situation. But uh, I'm rooting for the kid. I, I just hope that I would love to see that change where the top players consider HBCU teams that like to get them see them get stronger because there's a lot of things that are are set against them in terms of you know them being successful. And so I want him to be successful. All right. So for our next topic, uh, we want to switch gears just a little bit. A couple weeks ago, we all sat back and watched two of the most interesting boxing matches a lot of us have seen in a long time. There was the Battle of the 50-year-olds and Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, and then the YouTube versus NBA battle with Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. The night was extremely lively with some outcomes being better than others. Shout out to Nate Robinson. But the real star ended up being Snoop Dogg and his commentary over the Tyson versus Jones match. You know, everyone loved his energy and the laughs he brought to the event. And overall, I thought he did a good job. I mean, the old uncles fighting at the barbecue comment is re really got me, to be honest. But it also got the fellows thinking, who else would we like to hear commentate some of our favorite sports events? So Jonathan, let's start with you. Who's someone you'd like to hear? 
You know, this, uh, this topic is so funny to me because when I think about it, I think it's pretty similar to uh, which celebrity voice would, like, would I like to hear and take GPS directions from while I'm driving. So I'd say my, I've actually got a list of my top three celebrity voices that I'd like to hear commentate. And uh, my first would probably be Mike Tyson, especially after the fight. We could see how much Tyson enjoyed talking into the mic for one. And um, if you've ever heard his podcast, you know that he's known to drop a few pearls of wisdom. At least they'll make you think from time to time. Uh, next on my list would probably be DJ Khaled. I know I think it'd be hilarious to hear another one consistently throughout a broadcast, although that might get a little annoying pretty quickly. Probably my last or my favorite choice would be Cat Williams. His voice is so easily recognizable. It stands out from almost anyone else's and the numerous characters that he's played throughout his career. I think he'd be a perfect selection for color commentary. <laughs> Mr. Bembry, what do you think? You know what, I, I, I really enjoyed Snoop Dogg's commentary because he was honest. It was almost like being at home and having a conversation with your, your, your funny friend. So it, it was great. But, you know, you mentioned Cat Williams. I would say guys like Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. I think they would just bring in an honesty and some humor to the situation. And I saw Mike Tyson's one-man show a couple of years ago. And it was just amazing to me that he was able to pull that off to, to do perform for two hours on stage as, as this great storyteller. That's not a that's that's a very difficult task. And and he carried it really well. And, and you're right uh, on his podcast and even post fight, some of his commentary, just like, wow, you know, Mike is a, a deeper guy. than you really think you see a lot of ex-boxers who have a hard time speaking. But, you know, Mike brings this you know, philosophy to what he says, and he's really a deep guy. And that's not something I expected from him when, when he came onto the scene as a 19-year-old uh, when he first turned pro. So, so yeah, Mike is, is really impressive. But, but yeah, guys like Chappelle and, and Chris Rock, I would love to see them do some sort of sports commentary. I think they would be great. Yeah, I was going to uh, say Chris Rock and uh, maybe Kevin Hart. I know, like, just commentating sports like having comedians like Snoop Dogg commentate sports it just brings more energy and it's more fun to listen to because you're not li listening to that standard broadcasting you know just calling play by play like they're actually giving their real opinions and it's funny so I definitely think um entertainers like you said uh Cat Williams Kevin Hart and I would also like to see Drake commentate. I don't know. I know Drake is a big Raptors fan, but watching when Golden State played the Raptors, like he was on the sideline just like hopping around. So I would actually love to hear Drake commentate a, a basketball game. And I just want to add this too. I, I don't mind those guys in a blowout or a one-sided or an exhibition. If it's a real serious game, then give me somebody who can really give me the X and O's about what's going on. I don't want the comedy to be a distraction from a really close game. So I, I think those people would be good in certain settings and not necessarily in a really close game that's going down to the wire. The last thing I want to hear is somebody cracking jokes in that situation. That is absolutely true. And Marissa, Drake would be perfect. Not necessarily in like a serious game time. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> but like if you've seen him from like all-star games to yeah. in Toronto, I think he would be perfect just to – and he talks really well. So mm -hmm. him on there would be amazing. You know who hey, can I add one more, Jayla? I, I want to say Leslie Jones. Oh, yes. Oh, Leslie I was Jones. thinking about her. Yes. Leslie Jones was on Twitter the other night and she was offering commentary to the news. And it was some of the funniest stuff I've heard in a long, long time. So I think, yeah, in a certain situation, Leslie Jones would be great in that situation. You know who I think would be pretty good? And he's probably not the one we would turn to for like comedy and, you know, comic relief. But I would love to hear Jay-Z commentate a Nets game. 
Oh wow, yeah. That that would be good. That would be perfect. You know, the not the Nets and Jay-Z are kind of synonymous now. Yeah. He's not one to, you know, make people laugh, I guess, but to have like a hometown hero or someone who's really connected with the team kind of step in and, you know, just be in that environment. Plus, I really like his voice. I don't know. I've been a Jay-Z fan for a very long time. But yeah, I would just I would love to have him on that post. But speaking of NBA games, the season is set to start up next month. And while a lot of things are tentative and up in the air, there is one thing we know for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, LeVar Ball is back in the NBA atmosphere. It is official with Lonzo with the Pelicans, LaMelo with the Hornets, and Leangelo now with the Pistons. All three Ball brothers are now in the NBA and make up the NBA's newest sibling trifecta. What was everyone's reaction to that? You know, did you think LeVar, do you think LeVar Ball is owed some apologies now? Because, I mean, he did what he said he would. It was a little unconventional, but all his sons are now in the NBA just like he said they would be. So, Marissa, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, we have to give credit to LeVar Ball, no matter how much he talks or boasts. But, like, honestly, to have all three of your sons in the NBA, that's just great. And, I mean, like, the legacy that he's teaching, like, through them, I just feel like that's going to be a big impact. And what people are really going to be excited to watch this season, like, all the Ball brothers in the NBA at the same time. So, I definitely think, I would say people, a few people owe him some apologies. Because, I mean, when you, you it's easy to sit up there and talk and say, all my sons are going to the NBA it's easy to do that but to actually see it done that's something that happens rarely and the fact that LeVar Ball did that I just think it's great for the NBA and like I said going forward into this NBA season a lot of people are going to be tuned in to all three of them. Mr. Bembry what about you? Well I'm going to say this I will believe all three brothers are in NBA when LiAngelo suits up on opening day Ah. in uniform and actually plays a game because I was the most shocked person on the planet when I read that the Pistons had signed him. You know, Master P played preseason with the Toronto Raptors years ago. He never played in the NBA games. I don't personally don't think that LiAngelo is good enough to be an NBA player. That's just my personal opinion. Hopefully he proves me wrong and proves his dad right. But yeah, I don't, I don't believe LiAngelo's at NBA. I think that that might be a situation where that team is gaining a little attention by that signing. I'm looking forward to seeing his first preseason game and see him perform and see what he can do. Jonathan, how about you? You know, yeah, I think this is actually a, a huge win for the culture. I mean, we can't forget Mr. and Mrs. Holiday, too, with their three sons in the NBA as well. They've got Drew, Justin, and Aaron and Holiday all in the NBA. And uh, the two families actually have a connection. Drew and Aaron played at UCLA like Lonzo and LiAngelo. So, I mean, when it comes to LeVar, who clearly has been highly criticized for the way he's managed his sons, I think it's good to see that people's perceptions of him have taken a bit of a 180 now that people can see that there is somewhat of a method of the madness. And I mean, I think we're all glad to see that it's paid off, especially from when Lonzo was still a rookie. I'd say it was a pretty rocky start, but seeing seeing now at the finish line, it's like, okay, if this is where they're going to go, I'm all for it. I want to. I do want to add one more thing too that you know, Lavar has done a great job in raising three ball players. I had the opportunity to see the Chino Hills team when I lived in LA about three or four occasions, and it was a unique brand of basketball. It was it was really exciting, and it was really impressive in what they did. I, I do think that Lavar. I, I think that Lonzo would have a bigger shoe deal now if not for Lavar. I think Lonzo was offered something like twenty million from Nike when he came into the NBA, and instead signed with Big Baller Brand. So. You know, LeVar has not proven to be this great 
businessman, so I'm not going to give him credit there, but he has done a great job raising three very talented sons who might play in the NBA. Not yet. Two will be in. Three, maybe. So hopefully when Leangelo does get to suit up, if he does, you know, we'll finally get to see, maybe we'll get to see all three Ball Brothers active in one night. Who knows? But yeah, I think- that's what I, I was going to say. Maybe we might get that lucky just to see all of them in, in one night. <laughs> if that happens, that will certainly be something to watch. And I'm sure LeVar Ball will be the most active person online or in the arena, wherever he just so happens to land on that night. And, and, but- and shout out to the Jones brothers, Caldwell Jones, Charles Jones, Major Jones, and Will Jones, four brothers who played in the NBA through the 80s and 90s. So shout out to the Jones brothers. Right. And I also think it's just fun to watch them play against each other. I know, like, I love watching Seth Curry and Steph Curry play against each other because that is like a, a battle that even their parents are excited for. Like, one parent is going for the other team and the other parent is going for the other team. But, I mean, LeVar Ball, he really he, – he's going to be able to represent three of those teams. So it's definitely going to be exciting to watch. Since the NBA is approaching, I also want to touch on COVID, which, of course, is a big thing this year and something we just can't get away from. NBA players have been testing positive since the bubble ended, and we're also watching in real time the ride the NFL has been on since the season started. And, you know, obviously containing the virus is no easy mission, but it seems that throughout all of this, there's been one message being pushed by the professional leagues, and that is we're going to play regardless. You know, the NBA came up with the bubble, which was successful and the NFL has been sauntering a little bit you know it's just been they've been rescheduling games and then scheduling and then rescheduling the reschedule and there's still no clear plan on how to move forward with their season you know they're taking away primetime games forcing teams to play without their rosters it's just been madness and everyone's just running around you know hoping a plan falls out of the sky so it leaves open the question do you think these leagues actually care about their players and their safety or is game money viewers and revenue more important because let's be honest should they even be playing right now Mr. Bembry, what's your take on that? It's all about the money. It's it's all about money. And, you know, it's important for the contracts with the, with the TV networks. You know, we, we're looking at NCAA basketball, which has had some outbreaks, and they lost the NCAA tournament last year. That's over a billion dollars in revenue that, that's gone forever. And so the NCAA, regardless of what happens with this pandemic, they will play a tournament uh, this coming year. So, so yeah, it's a, the, the money part of it is, is, is very important. Uh, you have all these professional organizations that, you know, they, they laid off staff members during the pandemic when, when it hit and, and, and games were canceled. And, and, and so, yeah, they've got to do something to keep it afloat. And, you know, the only advice I can give is, you know, just be careful about it. You know, if, if, if you have players on your team who are going to parties and, and exposing themselves and they're coming back and exposing their teammates, then that's a problem. You got to be really smart about this. There's a vaccine right around the corner. And so I would just urge all these professional players and everybody in general, just be careful. You've gotten this far, you know, make it to the finish line. You know, don't don't ease up just short of the finish line and, and not finish the race. Yeah, like we said, it's all a business. And so I know the Warriors, I know two players tested positive. I believe it was earlier last week with COVID-19. And just a few, I would say about a month ago, they were coming up with a plan to reduce their fan attendance to 50%. And they were um, raising money to be able to allow fans to get tested each game. So I definitely think, I feel like the NBA cares 
obviously they handled the bubble well, but just with the NFL, you know, it's a bigger league and it's more players. So it's, of course, it's going to be um, cases and allowing fans is also another factor that you have to consider. I mean, regardless of these cases going up, there are still fans at these games. You know, we watched the Chiefs and the Bucks play and they were fans in the crowd. So when we look at just how the world is operating right now with everything going on, COVID, these leagues, like we said, it's a business. They're going to play regardless, but, you know, the work doesn't stop for these athletes and I think that's the message like we said that they're emphasizing right here the work doesn't stop and the whole world right now is trying to beat the virus so I definitely think going forward these leagues will see cases more arising cases just with fan attendance and um, players just traveling but as far as controlling the virus I feel like the leagues can do a little bit better. I said at the start of the NFL season when we heard that the NFL was going to go back with the season I figured from the very beginning this was probably going to be a double-edged sword. You know, the NFL is very different from the NBA in terms of, you know, the way they travel, the way they play, you know, the size of the team, size of the stadiums. There's, I don't think there's any particular way the NFL could play a season being 100% safe. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people, including myself at the beginning, was kind of expecting. Mm -hmm. We expected, you know, NBA bubble 2.0. And yeah, that's definitely. just not, definitely. And it's, it's it's just not going to happen. And I think right now, because the NFL chose to play, we're kind of, you know, everyone's kind of playing catch up. You know, they're kind of, they're not trying to prevent it. I don't think they're kind of trying to deal with it as it comes along. But a bright side in the NFL right now, how about them Steelers? How Listen, about shout out to the Steelers because we're going into week 13. It's, it's near the end of the season. Yeah, it's, 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 it's near the end of the season, but the Steelers the are still undefeated. Like, we got to give credit to the Steelers. I believe the last undefeated team was the Patriots, I believe, in 2007. So, uh, Mr. Bembry, do you think the Steelers can hold on to it and go the whole way? I think anything is possible. If, if a team in the NFC East can win four games and be in first place, then indeed anything is possible. And I'm a Giants fan, so shout out to the New York Giants at four and seven. We are top of our division. Uh, we haven't had this much to cheer about in a long, long time. So I don't care about the record and the four wins and three games in the 500. We are in first place. So uh, definitely I'm happy about that. But yeah, the Steelers are, are a great team led by a great coach. And, you know, I, I think that they have a shot to being undefeated. But I think when it comes down to the Super Bowl, that certain team in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, I, I think they're going to be the clear favorites. I don't think there's anybody in this league that's as good as them right now. I also want to give out a shout out to Mike Tomlin. Um, and the amazing things he's been doing with the Steelers. Honestly, I know we all talk about, you know, Belichick being this great coach. And, you know, of course he is. But I also think Mike should be in that in that conversation, in that category. They're both amazing coaches. They're both historic coaches. And I think they're, you know, the best in the league right now with their respective teams. So a big shout out to them as well. Right. And it, adding on to that, Mike Tomlin, I mean, what he's doing with this team now, and I would just say in the perspective of 2020, like right now with everything going on, being undefeated is not easy, like especially with the COVID cases spiking. So his his coaching throughout this year, which is why he deserved that MVP, you know, him just really preparing these players and the Steelers have had their share with COVID cases. But I think right now what the Steelers are doing best and capitalizing off of is that they're not really getting distracted. Like we see a lot of teams getting distracted during this time and the Steelers are the only thing they're keeping in their head is that we're undefeated and we want to continue to be undefeated. Now, 
a lot of people think they may lose before the playoffs. Like, do you think that would happen? I want to get you guys' take. Like, do you really think the Steelers will lose before the playoffs start? You know, I'm not 100% sure who their final games are against. But, yeah, it, I mean, going undefeated is very difficult. And and sometimes, you know, the, I, I think the, the Patriots are the last team to go undefeated, but they lost in the Super Bowl. Sometimes it's, it's, it's best to get a, a bad game out of the system, right, early in the regular season. Right. I to, agree. Yeah. Right. And I so, agree. I wouldn't mind if, if I'm Tomlin, I wouldn't mind to see my team lose a game because it, going perfect in a regular season means nothing if you can't win the big game. And uh, it's not just play. It's going to be, you know, we mentioned COVID earlier. It's going to be how careful you are off the field, you know, not only avoiding injuries on the field, but avoiding situations where you might have an outbreak on your roster where it can impact the number of plays you have on your, on your, on your team like it did the Ravens and the Denver Broncos over the weekend. So there are a lot of factors, but yeah, they can do it. But I'm not, if I'm Tomlin, I'm not worried about it. If I'm not, if I'm the players, I'm not really worried about it. I definitely think they can do it, but I'm also very open to the idea of them losing a game. Not right. only, you know, is the regular season, like Mr. Bember said, not as important if you don't win, you know, the championship overall. But when you're this undefeated right now, it seems like <laughs> you have a chip on your shoulder, you know, like everyone's gunning for you. And I know a lot of teams, not all, but a lot of teams, you know, they start to feel the pressure down the line and that's when mistakes set in. That's when, you know, things like missed kicks or, you know, just ruined plays. That's when everything like that sets in. So I think if they stay focused, if they, you know, keep their eyes on their goal, if they keep the championship and put that first, I think they have a very good chance at taking the whole thing. If not, and they slip up and lose a game, then that's okay because what they've accomplished the season thus far will be conversation regardless. Right. And looking at their games going forward, I mean, they play Washington on Monday. Then they have the Bills, the Colts, and the Browns. So I, I see two threats in this in these two games. I see the Bills being a threat to the Steelers and the Browns. So I'm excited to see how those games will unfold. Yeah, the Browns are playing great football right now. You know, they've been – they had been for years kind of a joke in this league, uh, not taken seriously, but their running game is really strong right now. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be a threat going into the postseason as well. All right, we're going to wind down a little bit. And for our final topic, I want to catch up with the fellows and see how everything's been going as we close out this very different, very weird fall semester. I also want to bring in our amazing producer, Ashton. Um, so guys, how did everything go? Was it what you expected? Are you going back in the spring? Catch us all up. So for me, uh, this semester was definitely interesting. I definitely liked the online aspect of everything. I had way more free time than I did when I was on campus. So I was able to do more things and, and still be in class at the same time. I mean, I think I finished with the 4.0. So hopefully, you know, I, I'm praying that, that I think it's one class that I'm iffy about, but I think I have A in that class. Clark Atlanta just announced that freshmen and seniors uh, were going back to campus in the spring and we were going to be tested and everything. But I'm thinking I might just stay online until I graduate in May of 2021. Right. That's I know for me and Ashton, that's great that you have all A's right now because I mean, it's been crazy. Like you said, Jayla, it's been a weird, weird semester. And with everything going on, I would say the virtual aspect, I had classes, I had two classes in person. And those classes were very controlled. You know, we wore a mask and everything. And with just handling virtual classes, I would not prefer it ever again. I am a visual learner. I need to be in front of my professor learning and really just taking, soaking in all that knowledge in a classroom setting. So learning from home was definitely challenging. 
um, even though I was still in Tallahassee, Florida, it was definitely like a different atmosphere. You didn't get that fun campus. Like when you're on campus, see all your friends and you go to the library and, you know, you may go to the set. You didn't have that. So it definitely was a bittersweet moment. But I know I will be returning back to campus spring semester and a lot more students will be on campus. Uh, like Ashton said, how the freshmen and seniors are going back for his. We're doing high flex classes. So basically, if your professor decided to have the class in person, then you will have that class on campus. But it's definitely still going to be a little different considering that we can't do everything and they want to keep class sizes controlled and make sure that the virus doesn't spread. So yeah, this semester has been crazy, but we have made it through and I'm glad we made it through. Let me say this. And I've solidified myself as the one fellow who enjoys being at home, enjoys taking online classes, <laughs> enjoys being virtual. Yeah. <laughs> Please leave me home. Don't get me wrong. I love my HBCU. I love Prairie View A&M University. I love being on campus. But if virtual learning is an option, if I do not have to trudge to classrooms and walk around this huge university campus every single day, please leave me home. I cannot tell you how comfortable I have been in my own bed, in my own bedroom, not paying rent, not having to pay for laundry, not even have to pay for my own groceries. Shout out to my mama. You know, I just. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I mean, soaking up these groceries have been fun, Jayla. You know, you don't have to go out and spend money, like home cooked meals. You know, we don't get that in college. You know how hard it is to be an adult in college? Oh my what? God. What? <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> I will mention that this upcoming semester, all my classes are online. I did make sure of that. I will mention that. And I want to thank my professors and I want to thank my university for allowing me to, you know, not be stressed for another semester. I enjoy being in my bed. I enjoy being in my bedroom and taking my quizzes and my tests and completing my assignments. I like being home. So please leave me home. <laughs> Listen, Jayla does not want to go back to campus. She said, don't, leave me home. I don't want to go. Right. I don't want to go. Because listen, home is truly where the heart is and where my bed is. So with that, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Roden Fellows podcast. The show is produced by Ashton Edmonds. A special thanks to Tarika Foster Brasby and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. And a million thanks to our special guest, Mr. Jerry Benbury, as well, for joining us today. I am Jayla Jones, and I've been your host. Get all of your HBCU podcasts by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app, and join us next time for another podcast episode. And don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports, culture, and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.